You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 108 of the Weekly Group Podcast. My name is Austin Staten, and I'm joined in studio with Jeremy Paxton. Hunter Atkins is off in Vietnam, I suppose. But uh, Jeremy, it's week one of the NFL season. Uh, it just passed us. Uh, week two of the college football season. And uh, we are both Baylor grads. We are both residents of the city of Houston. And it wasn't the best week for us. No, it certainly wasn't. I, I think in looking back at my eagerness to get into the, the football season, I'm, I'm now thinking it's about time to pack it in and uh, maybe find another Basketball hobby. Basketball season? Going a long Baseball? hunt. Long, no, no, no. I'm talking about like long hunting trip away from all electronics, anything that could give me a score or an update um, on the Texans or the Bears. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a brutal time to be a fan of either of those teams. But on the bright side, though, I think that the weather's cooling down. Uh, <laughs> we've had no rain in Houston, which is amazing. And um, honestly, there are some. There is maybe a silver lining to everything that's going on. And certainly, if you're you are in Houston, you are a fan of maybe say other college franchises. There's a lot of bright spots coming out of this weekend. You have OU um, with their first big win. You had TCU blowing out Arkansas. You had a lot of good things happening in the conference. And also, I guess Texas finally playing like it should. Texas is back. Texas is back, guys. After their big win against what San Jose State? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but no, there's there's a lot of bright spots, but I, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And here in just a few moments, we're going to have uh, Taylor Bashotti from the NFL Network join us in a new segment called Taylor's Top Takeaways. We're going to dissect week one of the NFL season and also Taylor's alma mater, Georgia, had a, uh, a big win against Notre Dame uh, this weekend in South Bend. But uh, Jeremy, let's start off with the Texans game. I was at the game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, th- th- there was a lot of... I don't know, high expectations surrounding this game because of, you know, the way the city has been impacted by Hurricane Harvey, J.J. Watt raising more than, what, $30 million for hurricane relief. A lot of people, myself included, thought this game would be a cakewalk for the Texans. Blake Bortles has struggled. There was speculation that he might not even be the starting quarterback for uh, the Jaguars this season. Lo and behold, Texans get yeah, blown out and embarrassed at home. Absolutely. What do you take away from this? Uh, gosh, uh, 10 sacks, four turnovers, uh, six sacks just in the first half alone. Uh, it's unacceptable. Our O-line, I mean, I, I, get that, um, I get that Savage is indecisive. He holds on to the ball for too long, but it's unacceptable that the O-line can't give him enough time to get rid of the ball. Even Deshaun Watson, I mean, in his, in his debut. I mean, I mean he's, he's also a rookie. Yeah, he's, so I, he, I give him I give him more of a pass. He's a work in progress, but and I, I you know there were some bright spots and bright flashes from him. Um, I mean, his first on. drive, he took the uh, the Texans down to a touchdown with two Andre Hopkins. I mean, granted, it was aided a little bit by two defensive penalties that right. kept the drive alive. But at the same time, you were at least able to see some bright spots. But my goodness, that offensive line it just looked atrocious. Oh, and, and we, t- we talked about yeah. this a little bit with John McClain last week. You have your all-pro left tackle, Dwayne Brown, currently holding out. I mean, does the performance off uh, of the offensive line sort of, I don't know, 
make you want to force a deal and get something done with Dwayne Brown to have him back on the roster for week two or perhaps week three? If it gives the quarterback more time, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely for it. I, I can't I can't see a scenario in which the Texans even go. What, what were the rosy predictions like nine and seven this year? I, I can't see them going. Uh, I can't see us winning more than five games with that with that setup that we have right now. And this was against Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville is supposed to be one of the worst teams in the AFC South, if not the AFC. Well, I, I I'm here to tell you we have taken in that bottom spot so um we, we we've got to get something done on o-line also let's not exempt the defense here i mean jj watt aside i mean i don't know what the defense did today. leonard fournette we gave him 100 yards today this is his opener in the nfl we gave him over 100 yards and which is really impressive for him but really like aren't, aren't isn't the defense supposed to be one of our bright spots like heading into the rest of the season yeah, I, I, I think that's one of the most disappointing things about the game is a lot of people speculated that the Texans front seven was arguably the best front seven enemy in the NFL. On Sunday, they proved that there's a lot of question marks. Uh, tackling, putting pressure on the defense, or pr- putting pressure on the offense. Those were all major concerns. And I don't know. I mean, the Texans have, have it difficult. They have a short week coming up against Cincinnati, and then they have to go on the road to Foxborough to play the Patriots. I mean, you're looking right now, in, in my opinion, at an 0-3 start. Yeah. And then I think in week four, you have Kansas City. So it, it's not going to get easier. Yeah, this is a potentially very demoralizing three weeks, three upcoming games for the Texans. But we'll see We'll see what happens. I, I think this is maybe for, for people who don't like Bill O'Brien, this is uh, kind of another example of why he maybe shouldn't be the head coach of the Texans. I know that that's kind of a controversial thing to say because a lot of people like Bill O'Brien. But I'm looking at, I mean, how do you, because we remember on, on this uh, on this podcast, we, we talked about all the question marks um, on you know with the Texans offense heading into the fall season. And you have to ask yourself, well, I mean, he knew that back then and he still, we, and this is what we got. So not much was done in that regard. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I do like the fact that we started to draft, draft, uh, draft um, players that aren't just like purely defensive picks, but I don't know. Yeah, and, and unfortunately for both myself and you, we are also Baylor fans. We and are. Baylor we are. played horrible against UTSA. Uh, they are now 0-2 on the season with losses to Liberty and UTSA. And it's not going to get easier. They have Duke next week, this Saturday coming up. And uh, Duke beat the snot out of uh, their Big Ten foe, uh, Northwestern. And then week four... They have an Oklahoma team that just went to uh, Ohio State and embarrassed the Buckeyes. I mean, if you're a Baylor fan right now, I mean, <laughs> what do you think the outcome of the season is? I mean, before the season started, I thought five and seven, six and six was the high watermark, but that was before you went zero and two against arguably the two easiest teams on the schedule. Right. And here's 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 the the horrible thing about all of this for Baylor fans is we know Matt Rule's new coach. We know that he's had to play a lot of freshmen. We know that fifteen he, freshmen. Is, yeah. How many guys had to burn the red shirt yesterday? I, I think it's like fifteen freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Yeah. It, it was obscene. Like twelve guys between these last two games had to burn the red shirts, which shouldn't happen. But that aside, I mean, these are the you know obviously we can't count Duke as a part of this because um, they're a, you know, a higher caliber team. But these two teams, UTSA and Liberty, should have been the games where Matt Rule says, you know what, I'm an effective game manager. The scheme I have is going to work. Like These might not be pretty it wins, didn't. but they're wins regardless, and he hasn't done it. Right. He hasn't done it. And last week it was the defense, and this week it was the offense. And uh, here, Here's the deal. The offensive line, just like the Texans, is 
terrible for Baylor. I mean, Anu Solomon, the quarterback, granted, he did not have a, a great game. He was not accurate passing the ball. His completion percentage, horrendous. He doesn't even have an offensive line to give him a second to at least look down his reads. And I, I hear a lot of Baylor fans speculating and, and suggesting that Zach Smith is the answer to help the offense get to that next level. Anu Solomon is mobile. Zach Smith is a big guy. He is he's not big a and mobile, he's slow. He's, no. he's not a mobile. He might be a little bit better of a deep passer behind but, that yeah. offensive line. Yeah, he, uh, Zach Smith might be more accurate with deep passes. I know that Anu kind of struggles a little bit, and then also a receiver core. Let's not. I want to place all the blame on Solomon because he's he's actually done I feel like like you know against Liberty like he had some really pretty balls that got he, dropped he single-handedly in my opinion kept Baylor in that game yeah he absolutely did but um despite that it doesn't fall down to the quarterback this, this is a complete I mean this is a complete problem um with I think rules you know scheme as it is right now um, where he just really the offense doesn't have an identity yet and I think until that happens, we're not really going to see better results. I mean, look at his record at Temple. His first year at Temple, yeah, he went two and ten, and then six and six. Well, I don't see us winning two games. I mean, we're, I, don't, we, I don't know where you find. We, we might be competitive against Kansas. You might, you might. I mean, Kansas lost to Central Michigan. You might have, you know, competitive nature against Iowa State because it's a home game, but potentially. Which, by the way, credit. I, I don't know. Iowa State actually didn't look too bad. They um they were edged out by Iowa. Uh, I forget what they call that game, the rivalry game, but um, Cyhawk Trophy. Yeah, well, yeah. well no one, no, Cyhawk Bowl. No one outside like Iowa that. knows what that's called. Um, but they got edged up. But I was, I watched that game yesterday. They they looked okay. So I don't. I mean, if you're a Baylor fan right now, if you're a Baylor booster, and you're looking at the people in charge, you're like, what? You're frustrated. Did you just bring to our right. university? I know that we're gonna have a down year, but. Um, Man, this is much, much worse than I think any of us were expecting. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, other college football teams. Uh, week two, I think the team that probably impressed me the most was Oklahoma, going on the road to Ohio State, winning that game in blowout fashion. And to be perfectly transparent, that game was not as close as the score indicated. I think o- Oklahoma dominated that game in the first half, dominated the game, obviously, in the second half to come out with a, a big win. Uh, Baker Mayfield uh, clearly inserted himself in the Heisman Trophy uh, conversation. He's been a finalist for the last two seasons. I think him, Lamar Jackson, and, and then you know some of the quarterbacks out west have to be considered some of the front runners. But uh, my gosh, it looks like the Big Twelve race is coming down to two teams this year, and it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And maybe you could throw in TCU and Kansas State as a team that could you know maybe squeak by and get a few upset wins, but. Those two teams, especially Oklahoma, look like the class of the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma definitely is the, the, the top dog, certainly the, the team to beat in the Big 12. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I feel like I've heard his name for so long now. Right. I kind of asked myself, like, why is he in the it NFL seems like yet? He's been around for like seven years. I know. I, I was like, man, wasn't he around during RG3? No, I, I just, it's, it's, been, it's been too long. But um, he went uh, 27 for 35, 386 yards, three touchdowns, really impressive. Um, OU's. I mean, this is in this. I mean, remember they have a new new, new coach. I yeah, know it's not like a new coach. Year, no, thirty four year old head coach. Yeah, this is Lincoln Riley. He's the. I mean, he's in, he's been in their system for a while, so he knows it. So it's a more. It's definitely an easier transition from a coaching perspective. But I mean, that team had every reason to. You know, if they had struggled a little bit, if they lost this game, people would be like, oh, well, you know, they have a new coach, but they have risen above that and beaten probably the best team in college football next to Alabama. Yeah. So at least on paper. Yeah. I right. mean, it's just, it, it was incredible. So I'm actually really pleased to see the big 12 doing better um, in other areas. It's and nice to have the big 12 not be the, the punching bag for the rest of the, uh, the college football pundits. And I think, I don't know. There were, 
Did you see after the game when Baker Mayfield took the OU flag, ran it down to the center? He of the field essentially and he it took it down the to the center of the field and like planted it in the middle of their field. I, what, I thought, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I think that if it was, I don't know. He was getting a lot of praise, like, oh, this is why I love Baker Mayfield, just his personality. He's also a guy that's been arrested a few times. But he is a guy that fires up that team. And and, and doing that, I think, fires up that fan base. It fires up that team heading into, you know, uh, the Big 12 slate, which kicks off in a few weeks against Baylor. You know, I, I, I don't really have a strong opinion about him doing that. I mean, if I was, uh, if I was a Buckeye fan, which I'm so glad I'm not, um, I would be probably a little, little pissed, but right. uh, sure. we, but in, and on that note, Buckeye fans are some of the funnest fans to to get upset because they, you know, we we talk about UT and Alabama and some of these other. They're they're accustomed to winning. They're accustomed to winning. They expect it. They're couch burners if they don't get what they want. So to that end, I'm glad to see Buckeye fans disappointed. But I mean, seeing some guy playing a flag after a big game like that, you know, I it's something that I haven't seen before. I I, mean, to I me, don't. To me, I thought back to Terrell Owens a few years ago. Yeah. When he uh, was playing against the Cowboys, shoot, this is probably 10, 15 years ago, scored a touchdown, ran and slammed the ball (laughs) on the uh, the star in Dallas. I mean, I don't know. It reminded me of that. But just the fact that it was on like after the game, you know, hats off to Baker Mayfield. He played one hell of a game. And I think he, you know, probably deserves a little bit to celebrate like that. He absolutely does. And I, I think for Oklahoma that, you know, under Bob Stoops had some really big games that were huge disappointments, especially against like Clemson. If right. You remember those big bowl games. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they that they that program seems to have turned a corner and hopefully on behalf of the Big 12 compete for the playoff this year in a real way. Yeah. And one team that could potentially, I don't know. Throw a little wrench at the plans that the uh, the Power Five schools would be the University of Houston under first year head coach Major Applewhite. Of course, their first game of the season was canceled against UTSA as a result of Hurricane Harvey. But uh, they went on the road, played Arizona, good Arizona team, came out with a win in Major Applewhite's debut as the Cougars head coach. Ed Oliver just had another remarkable game, proving that he's probably one of the, if not the best, defensive linemen in all of college football. And uh, Cougar fans want to know on the season, you've got to be excited for that. Yeah, I think so. I I haven't really been paying too much attention to to Cougar football, but um, it's certainly nice to see that the program has had some stability. And and, and if we're Baylor fans struggling right now, I mean, A&M fans struggling right now. I mean, Kevin Sumlin looks like he's on his way out. Of course, they they struggled against Nickel State. I don't know. Do you adopt U of H as sort of your team that you want to support in a down year for your, you know, chosen team yeah it's actually kind of funny i was in uh, i was in academy the other day and academy here in houston is just decked out with cougar stuff and I, I actually toyed around with the idea of buying a u of a no. shirt no i did i did i was like man you see can i can i really adopt this as my team um i don't think i can do it. i don't think red looks good on me i look like a lobster <laughs> but um no i just you say that and i'm wearing a red right i know now. yeah you're yeah, yeah you actually do look like a lobster you got a little bit well, of sunburn. I, I do have some sunburn from tailgating at energy stadium yeah well it, i I will certainly root for the Cougars. Um, they're not playing <laughs> Baylor in any way, which is nice. Um, no, I, 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 I'm happy for them. I, I hope that uh, I, I think any, I think from 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 my perspective, and I think any team that's kind of in a down place right now, you're you're kind of you're not really paying attention to much beyond just trying to look away from the game that you feel like you have to watch every Saturday. I'm going to stop real quick. Going back to the, you know the teams that we have to watch for us, that's Baylor. I, I want to call out some Baylor fans right now um there is a lot of frustration among Baylor fans right now that Baylor is 0-2 look we all knew this is going to be a long and difficult season 
But the fact that some of these Baylor fans are one saying that we should fire Matt Roll is absurd. It's two games. I think Baylor fans that believe this team could go eight and four, nine and three were completely irrational after last year's six and six season. People think that this team has all of the talent in the world. And yeah, sure, that, that might be true. But these these were players recruited to play under Art Bryles' scheme, right? So these weren't necessarily the most talented players. They were fit for his particular scheme. All of these Baylor fans that are suggesting that Baylor needs Art Bryles back are delusional. They are part of the problem. I mean, Art Bryles is the reason why this program is in the position that it is right now. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, I won't. I won't roast individual people, but I will say there. There is. Um, I did, do think there tends to be this sort of like hindsight bias um, with a lot of fans. With, you know, where schools in our position like this, we're not the first. I mean, you had Penn State. You've had other programs that have lost significant amounts of their athletic department or like football infrastructure, and all of a sudden had to look back on what they have now and long for what was. Um, I think I think that people that are really eager to sweep what happened under the rug, um, you know, you can be sympathetic to Bryles yet understand that what happened in that program was wrong and that, you know, he had to ultimately be held responsible for what happened. And um, well, the problem that I have is people ex- suggesting that Bryles did nothing wrong still right. to this day. Oh, sure. Well, and there, well, there are people I mean, despite there, there are always going to be people who think like that. There there's still a lot of people who, who think that, that Joe Paterno did nothing wrong. And I think that that says more about human psychology and sort of how people work and operate rather than it does about a particular fan base. I think that if you took um, Nick Saban, for instance, let's say Nick Saban tomorrow there's some allegation that ends his career tomorrow. You're going to have Bama fans that for a generation will talk about how Nick Saban got screwed over something, even if it was done in the middle of broad daylight, you know, even if it was something that was so scandalous, he couldn't stay at the Is program. Is a problem with college football? No, I think it's a, I think it's a people problem. I think that that's, this is just something that's a part of human nature. I, I think that we don't there that we have, we have things that we're attached to, especially when, um, they give us something so valuable that we want that it's right. hard to let go. It's hard to let go. There's this phenomenon in psychology. Uh, it, it's it's like it's, per, it's a perseverance of belief. It's in spite of evidence you believe something anyways. In, in, in spite of evidence, the contrary was what I mean. But it's it's I think it says more about people than it does about a particular fan base or college football in general. That's totally fair, and I, I think all wounds will sort of heal when when these programs continue to rebound. Of course, we see Penn State rebounding blowing you know the cover off of Pitt earlier this week uh, i think in you know two to three years when baylor starts winning games uh, i i think that you're going to start seeing fans come around and get over this you know love fest for our brows which i think just needs to stop but anyways i mean it's been a tumultuous first week for college ball and the nfl for uh, both you and i our fandom but uh we've got a we've got a fun show on deck we're going to recap week one of the nfl season with taylor vashadi of the nfl network and taylor's top takeaways also if you want to follow our work we suggest that you uh search weekly brewcast on facebook twitter and instagram also you can subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com but uh jeremy although hunter's not here we've got a, a packed show on deck so it's time to sit back relax and be informed. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. After a week full of NFL games, it's time to break it all down with the NFL Network's Taylor Bashotti on Taylor's Top Takeaways. 
week one of the NFL season is officially in the books. And joining us now on the Weekly Brew Podcast to break down all of the action is Taylor Bashadi of the NFL Network. And uh, Taylor, we're glad to have you back on the show for a new segment that we're debuting today, and that's Taylor's Top Takeaways. And I'm excited about this new segment, as you heard from uh, your new voiceover and the intro music. But uh, before we get into anything else, (laughs) I'm excited to be back. Trust me, it was a long off season. So tell me about that. I mean, it was a long off season, but opening weekend is finally here. I mean, what was it like just being in the studios or at home watching all of the games and reporting on the news as it came in? It was so exciting. I mean, the the, so it was the Tuesday after Labor Day that everybody kind of came back and you got to see everybody that's in the office that's not really there during the off season. And it's just a whole entire different like ambiance around the newsroom. Everyone's so excited for the start of the season. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's a group of 32 different teams. Um, I mean, I was more than happy that football was coming back. And then Sunday rolled around and it's like you don't even own your Sundays anymore because you're basically glued to the TV all day. So I'm on the West Coast, obviously. And games start at 10 a.m. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like that's just the, the what you have to deal with in the fall. I mean, Saturdays are for college football. Sundays are for NFL. And it just exactly you just so, have to I mean, prioritize. Like, so much for working out on the weekends because there goes that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you get up at like 5 a.m. But uh, all yeah. right. So <laughs> before we get into uh, your top takeaways, I want to talk a little bit about the Texans because, you know, we are a Houston based podcast and uh, uh, they did not look good on Sunday, Taylor. And either they have they a short didn't. turnaround. They play the Bengals on Thursday. They had, what, four guys go out with There is a silver lining there, though. There is a silver lining there, though, because the Bengals did not look great either. So it's the battle of the two struggling offenses. <laughs> but that game is on the NFL Network Thursday night. I mean, with two struggling offenses, I mean, what can fans look forward to just watching that game? Well, you know, one thing I will say is that it's very hard to figure out what a team really is capable of in week one. Um, I think that you don't really know how strong the opponent is that they played. So probably last year, if you were thinking about the Jags, you probably wouldn't have thought of them to be one of the top opponents in the league. But I mean, from what they showed, they had a lot of offseason improvements. Obviously, Calais Campbell, he actually set the franchise record for most sacks in the game in the first half. I mean, I think that the Jags looked really good. Granted, I think that your offensive line is a huge area of concern, which if I was watching that game, as part of the Texans personnel, I would have probably said, maybe we should sign and maybe end this Dwayne Brown holdout. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If I was Dwayne Brown, I'd be saying, I'm going to be getting paid, but... Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah I mean, if it, it seems like you just need to dump, uh, put a dump truck back in his, you know, front front driveway and just say, you know, pay the man. But, <laughs> but it, yeah. to me, that was that was kind of interesting because we saw the the offensive line just obviously looked bad. Uh, it, Tom Savage looked like he held on to the ball. He wasn't necessarily mobile. And in the second half, you have to put into Sean Watson. Going into that, right? Yeah, and we kind of knew that going into the season is that Bill O'Brien was so gung ho on starting. Tom Savage and saying that he was their starting quarterback and that's who we're investing in. But at the same time, you know that that's not going to be the starting quarterback for the future. You knew that when they drafted Deshaun Watson, that that's who they're putting their stock in. And so while it is interesting and probably frustrating to Tom Savage that he was benched just after one half, he was sacked six times. He's not a mobile quarterback the offensive line isn't holding up for him in bill o'brien's mind he's probably thinking the only thing that i can possibly do right now is put in a quarterback that is mobile and that can move around 
And that's exactly what he did. And ultimately, Deshaun Watson, who is a rookie in the NFL, had played better. I mean, he played better. He definitely played better. The offensive line didn't really hold up any better for him. He still got sacked four times. But yeah. He provided like a spark almost when he came into the game. I mean, I, I was at he the game on did. Sunday and the fans in the first half were chanting, we want Watson, we want Watson. When he came in, <laughs> you know, it was it was almost like it wasn't quite as loud as, you know, the J.J. Watt roar when he came out with the Texas flag after Hurricane Harvey. But it, it was, you know, they knew that a new era had just begun in Houston. And then, you know, right actually before we started recording this segment, uh, he was announced as the starter for Thursday night's game. I'm curious, what are your thoughts with him? I and mean, what kind of pressure does that put on a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road on a primetime game i don't think it's, i i think he wants it i don't think it's something that he'll probably be scared about uh the only thing that i would be i was concerned with is that there was question as to whether or not he would be named the starter just because he was limping off the field after the game but uh james palmer one of our reporters reported today that he took all the from what was open to the public at the practice he took all first snaps at the offensive line so he seemed to have been fine and then it came out that it's going to be a game time decision and then bill o'brien just i guess decided to change his mind again and announced that he is in fact the starting quarterback yeah it's so weird it's like there's a, it's, it's almost like the browns where they had what like 55 starting quarterbacks in the last like five years it's like bill o'brien just like a notch below that with all the different quarterbacks that he's had in the four years in the texans organization but i don't know we'll see what happens the game uh, is thursday night on the nfl network and uh taylor obviously the name of the segment is taylor's top takeaways and uh, there were some teams that honestly impressed me this past week i mean you had the chiefs doing what they did on the road uh, in New England. The Chiefs were a huge surprise. Yeah. That was a fantastic way to kick off the season. Alex Smith played out of his mind. Kareem Hunt, the rookie out of Toledo. Um, 148 gosh, yards, 17 carries. I mean, it just the, the guy was just, I don't know, it was like he was shot out fire. of a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, shot out of a cannon. Um, that was definitely an exciting way to kick off the season. Uh, I think that everybody was expecting the Patriots, obviously, to win. I certainly but was. So. I, I was as well. I don't know anybody that wasn't. It's actually what I found interesting is that it was the Patriots' first home loss in the Brady era when leading entering the fourth quarter. They'd been 105-0. and zero That's impressive. This game. Yeah. So, I mean, nobody obviously saw that coming. Alex Smith outplayed Tom Brady. So, fantasy projection people, I bet you probably didn't guess that one. <laughs> I, I could tell you, I, I had a, uh, I had a little parlay, uh, gambling wise, and I did not, uh, I did not hit that as a result of the Patriots. But so there were some other teams that surprised me. I thought the Rams looked good. I thought the Raiders looked good. But uh, if you're looking at your, you know, kind of your top takeaways, who were some of the teams or players that you know impressed you the most in Week One? The Rams definitely were a big surprise to me. But I also think that you have to take into consideration that the Colts aren't that strong of a team. Obviously, this year, not only do they not have Andrew Luck, who's also been announced to not start for week two as well but i mean their defense just looked terrible i mean their offense i mean i don't really know a part of their team that didn't look like they were struggling so the rams did look great golf looked great i think they've got some offensive weapons like cooper cup that they didn't have last year and he obviously looks fantastic so it's definitely going to be an interesting season for them and then of course their new head coach sean mcveigh i think that he perfectly exemplified what that team can do with a creative offensive mind. Um, they're going to be a very fun team to watch. But the Vikings, God, they looked amazing too. I did not see that coming. But Sam Bradford, he 
he's got some issues, but accuracy is definitely not one of his issues. He's got a strong arm. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks I think I've ever seen. Uh, Dalvin Cook at running back. I mean, he's a beast, a force to be reckoned with. And then Bradford did a great job spreading out, getting the ball to Stephon Diggs, who's obviously going to have a great season. They definitely have some offensive weapons and their defense held up as well so i think they're going to be a very fun team to watch this year i i think it's always fun each season when there are you know rookies that emerge and you just mentioned dalvin cook who had a great career at florida state leonard fournette same thing at lsu he impressed in week one uh and then of course you have hunt out of kansas city and then you've got other guys like mccaffrey with with, with the panthers i mean who are some rookies that kind of i don't know caught your eye and is this the year sort of of that rookie running back yeah i mean kareem hunt caught my eye Dalvin Cook caught my eye. Cooper Cup caught my eye. These obviously are not all running backs, but I feel like Leonard Fournette, an obvious standout, but I think we kind of knew that he was going to be a force to be reckoned with. But that's what makes it interesting, and it's always interesting to see how a player fits into a team. And Adrian Peterson, who played against his old team, the Vikings last night, had the fewest – he had six carries for 18 yards, the fewest in his career in a game. So I don't know if you saw that video that kind of went viral today or last night of a little exchange on the sidelines between Adrian Peterson and Sean Payton. But of course, after the game, they said, there's no conflict here. All we said was, you know, that we, I don't know what they said that something about love or respect or who knows, but (laughs) didn't really look like that from the camera's perspective of course it's 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 the pr spin but you know i i want to touch on another thing real quick is you had just talked about sean McVay, uh you know out west uh, creating sort of like an innovative offense for the rams kind of helping jared goff along uh that team to me is is very intriguing. I mean, they they've got an they've got talent on defense. They've got you know some of the best uh, defensive players, defensive and linemen let's think in the about league. It, Aaron Donald wasn't even in exactly. Yeah. So I mean, how how good can that team be? And and do you see them maybe I don't know competing with a Seattle in, in that division? Yeah, I really do. I mean, I think that they like like we've just said like they've got some great offensive weapons and. Jared Goff is a first-round draft pick quarterback, and not saying that that means everything, except he obviously has a skill set that wasn't tapped into last year, and I think that Sean McVay saw that, having such a strong offensive mind, and he was the old Redskins play caller, and he knows that he's got to play to Jared's strengths, which is what a good coach does, is that they find the player's unique skill set, and why wouldn't you play play up to it yeah and speaking of unique skill sets uh it looked like on the opposite side of the ball scott tolzien had a unique skill set for throwing pick sixes through two of them uh i I don't think that came as that much of a shocker though (laughs) but i i mean this is something that we talked about you know a few weeks ago last time we were on the show was andrew luck like what's going on with him we both said that it was interesting that nobody in the media was talking about it and here he is he's not gonna play week two i mean what's going on with the colts is he gonna play this season or are they gonna have to go with someone like jacoby Brissett? I mean, who knows? I thought that trade was very telling in itself. Uh, after claiming that, you know, Luck is totally fine, I think that everybody kind of knew that Luck wasn't totally fine because nobody in the organization seemed to be talking about it. And that's obviously a red flag. So I I really don't know. But 
it's very interesting. Well, as a, as a as a Texans fan and a fan of the uh, I guess the AFC South, I'm kind of hoping that he's a little bit delayed uh, <laughs> coming back. Just so you know, I don't know. Maybe the Texans gonna get a little easy matchup because of course they've got the tough game on the road, well, and then listen, they go to the they Patriots. Would have been, they're absolutely the Cinderella story if they were to go to the Super Bowl just with <laughs> Hurricane Harvey and all the good that JJ Watt's done. So, but I, I will tell you this: it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, just the disappointment among Texans fans. But when I was listening to the national media, the, just the different talking heads covering the NFL, uh, a lot of them were almost saying it's okay to look past this game for the Texans because of what they went through with Hurricane Harvey. But then when you listen to the local media, people were calling for Bill O'Brien to be fired. So I, I'm kind of curious from your perspective. I mean, can you take anything out of that week one? I think that fans and people just have a tendency to overreact after one week. Um Obviously, their performance wasn't great. I don't necessarily, you know, obviously Hurricane Harvey, I'm sure, did have an impact. I don't necessarily know if it really impacted their offensive line specifically. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that give give a coach some time to settle. I mean, you never know what this week this week could bring you. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that you guys are playing the Bengals. It could be, and who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson has a hell of a game and takes over and is yeah. you know the quarterback. Yeah, I mean he didn't he didn't go into the he didn't go into week one thinking that he was even going to probably see the field. So right, and you know, speaking of other guys that didn't necessarily think they were going to see the field when the you know when the season started going through training camp, uh, Deshaun Kaiser and the Browns. I mean, you know, they've been the laughing stock for okay, the last yeah, few that's, years. That's another perfect example of a team where they were basically keeping up with the Steelers in every aspect of the game the entire game the Browns really I mean like that's usually the team that that's the one team that you can project that's the one team that you can kind of take a cat nap during exactly (laughs) Um, I mean that's a terrible thing to say but in the most recent years they just haven't been a strong team and they came out looking better than I've seen them in a long time. And another player who didn't play is Miles Garrett. And so imagine what they could do if they did have Miles Garrett on the field. So what, so what do you make about that AFC North? I mean, uh, the Ravens looked good in their shutout win. Pittsburgh has a great offense. That, yeah, that's an interest. That's a division that looks really interesting to me right now because you can't really tell because they did play. Like nobody really knows what kind of teams these teams have. If I were to have gone into the week one, I would have said the Steelers are going to blow the Browns out. And, you know, the Bengals-Ravens is going to be kind of like a, a, a toss-up. You know, I think I thought it could go both ways. I was a little nervous for the game. The fact that they shut the Bengals out and they had Danny Woodhead out within, you know, shortly in the game, I think that I don't know if the Ravens are really that good because they didn't look that strong on offense, I would say. Uh, their defense is definitely what carried them for a while. And I don't know how good they really are. I think that Jimmy Smith did a great job shutting down AJ, so AJ Green. So I thought that he obviously was a non-factor for them in the game. So that was to Jimmy's credit. Yeah, and that's the thing. Week to week, things can change in the NFL. But uh, I kind of want to touch on a little bit of, I don't know, controversy, I guess, uh, surrounding some of the week one games. And and to me, uh, the controversy surrounds Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, of course, uh, you know, they, they won the game and I think impressive fashion against uh, a Giants team that a lot of people were impressed with, but he's got this six game suspension just kind of 
hanging over his head at this point. And I, I'm kind of curious. We, we see the NFL Players Association trying to litigate this and to get the suspension saying it wasn't collectively bargained. Uh, domestic violence was surrounding it. I, I'm curious, what is your perspective uh, on, on what is going on with the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott? Domestic violence should not be like tolerated in any capacity, but he's not necessarily appealing the fact that those incidences occurred he's appealing the, the process that was used i have a feeling that this is going to be something that's going to play out similar to how tom brady's played out obviously they were two very different topics one was sur- surrounding domestic violence and the other is surrounding deflated footballs so yeah <laughs> i think that it will take a long time so i personally obviously this is just a, an opinion i don't see i don't see him not playing this year i think it's something that's going to take a long time to decide on and I don't think he'll be serving his six-game suspension this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think it's going to be like Tom Brady, where so, at some point next year or sometime this Which spring. Which is a big bummer for me, because I totally <laughs> um, drafted in my fantasy league, McFadden, thinking that he might be the one that's going to be getting some of these. Well, we we had a guy in my it's fantasy all about league. fantasy, obviously. Yeah, exactly. We had a guy in my fantasy league that drafted him, like, number five overall. And uh, he was like, this could backfire on me, but I have confidence. <laughs> and I guess it worked out for him. Another nail-biting game was last night's game. Here I thought I was going to get to go to bed early, and <laughs> apparently not. What a game. I'm kind of curious. What did you think about that? I mean, to me, it was it was interesting. It was it was your second Monday night game, and of course, ESPN does this. Uh, each opening Monday night, they have two games. Uh, and this one, it was kind of unique. Uh, Beth Mowens was the, uh, the play-by-play voice for the game, and she was calling it. I thought she did a pretty cool job. I think she did. I think she did an amazing job. I think she did a phenomenal job. I think that she almost carried the broadcast. All right, so we've got week two of the NFL uh, kicking off, honestly, Thursday with uh, you know the, the Bengals and and the Texans. But uh, there are some interesting matchups to me: Patriots on the road at the Saints, Packers going to the Falcons. What are the big storylines for you as we head into week two? Uh, the Patriots going to the Saints. Let's see. I think that will be an easy toss layup for them, just because the Saints just did not look that good last night. It looked like their offense was struggling a little bit. They just. Their defense was obviously struggling, but that wasn't that much of a shocker. So, so like, what do you look to to see how teams kind of take that next step and, you know, just build off of the week one success? I think that for, well, I think week two is a lot more telling because you have a little bit more of a point of reference for where these teams stand since they've now played two different opponents. I think we'll know a lot more then. Um, but again, like you said, any given Sunday, anything can happen. That's what makes the league great. And, uh, you know, speaking of great things, uh, this past weekend, you launched a new show on the NFL Network called In Case You Missed It, All 32. Uh, I actually did get the chance to, to watch it on the DVR. I thought it was great. Uh, for our listeners out there the that might not be... on the DVR. I love that you say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it, it starts early in the morning on it Saturday. Does start, I, I can't. Listen, I don't blame you. The fact that you even watched it, I appreciate it. So, tell, so tell us about I the show. I certainly wasn't going to be waking up at 5.30 on the West Coast to see it. So. So, so tell our listeners about the show and kind of what they can expect. Um, It's actually it's a really great concept. I think it's a great concept um so all clubs all 32 teams produce their own content and as you know a team and an organization that surround like that surrounds themselves with the players and who they really are get to know them better than anybody that just covers them every once in a while so they usually get the best stories on these players the neatest the neatest like hole in the wall features that you're going to find out about people and the awesome stuff that these clubs do around the community and so what it is is that the different teams submit their best content to us and we choose it and we kind of hit on something that's funny, emotional, bizarre. So in our first episode, speaking of the Texans, they were actually featured in it. So thank you to the Texans for sending the video. <laughs> 
but it was an, a, the most adorable young reporter interviewing Bill O'Brien, who doesn't usually say that much during interviews, but this young little Ian Rappaport got this guy to, got Bill O'Brien to open up, and he was absolutely hysterical with the way that he was so blunt about his questions. Um, you'll have to check it out because it was a really great piece. But so we hit on some of the funny parts of it, and then we also hit on some of the emotional aspects which is the Raiders. They hosted a special prom for kids that have disabilities and aren't able to experience a normal prom. So they had the team and some of the players, they helped be dates, host a special prom, and kind of make these kids nights or years. I mean, you could see that it had a big impact on them. That's pretty So we cool. just tried to get the great, like the good content that people don't always get to see about the NFL and the different teams and highlight it. I think that's cool. It provides a, a unique perspective to, you know, just the, you know, the, the all 22 film that you would see on, on, on most recaps. But uh, Taylor, it, it's always great to have you on the podcast. And I, I know that I'm definitely excited about this uh, new segment. So Taylor's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's great. So for people that kind of want to follow you outside of, you know, the, the segments each week, what is the best way for them to connect with you uh, on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter at Taylor Bashotti, and I am also on Instagram. I don't do as much video and NFL news on Instagram, but primarily on Twitter or NFL Network. Well, perfect. So make sure to follow Taylor on... Yeah, and also tweet at me or you guys and tell us what you guys want to hear about and we'll break it down for you. Absolutely. So Taylor, it's been great. Week one is in the books. Definitely looking forward to week two. Absolutely. It's only a few days away. Closing time. Another great episode of the Weekly Brew Podcast. Uh, Thanks to Taylor Bashotti for joining us and talking uh, all things week one of the NFL season. And uh, Jeremy, wasn't a great week one for Texans fans. Wasn't a great great week one or two for Baylor fans. I mean, what do we have to look forward to in the next uh, few weeks? Uh, fantasy football is one. Um, right <laughs> now, I'm, I'm currently ahead of you, but no, I'm. I think. Uh, who, yeah, yeah, thanks to Hurricane Irma. <laughs> there is a ca- there is there is. Wait, a wait. Wait, wait, wait. Do those points count for what? Like week week eleven? Yeah, we yeah, like week right eleven now. or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. No, um, I, I think if you're a Texans fan, I do think that you do have some things to look forward to. I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens on the O line and how Deshaun Watson can change that dynamic. Yeah, it looks like the Deshaun Watson era is here. Yeah, absolutely. And I was. I was pleased. He had a couple of like bright spots, as I said earlier. That um, I think he, if he can speed up the decision making within the pocket, the O line doesn't have to work as hard, and they might not. Their lack of talent or lack of skill might not quite, you know, be so be felt so much as it is with Savage, who just sits there with the ball. And so, I think if you're a Texans fan, you have a lot to look forward to. Uh, for the rest of the season, uh, if you're a Baylor fan, hunker down, <laughs> go to the tailgates, drink, be merry, enjoy life. That's all you got. But wait for, we've, wait we've, for basketball season. We've got a couple years. Yeah, we're a basketball school right now. Or, you know, a women's volleyball here is doing pretty well. Yeah, they beat yeah. A, uh, a top 10 team this week. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually... <laughs> Um, maybe equestrian. Maybe we can yeah, check, it's, check it's your almost equestrian season, yeah. but nonetheless, uh, it, it's been a. It, it's good to have football back and to be able to have these types of conversations, especially with all the uh, you know political turmoil going on, everything that's going on with 
you know, natural disasters with wildfires out on the West Coast with Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, and, you know, even Hurricane Jose, who is uh, pushing its way right now as we speak into the uh, the Caribbean. But uh, it, it's nice to be able to have a reprieve with, with college football and the NFL. Right. On, and on and tow. let me let me just highlight. I know a lot of our listeners went to Texas A&M, and I want to remind them that they were tied with, I mean, uh, Baylor, I'm not, I'm not speaking yeah, from we have position no room of superiority. No, we have no room to talk, but this is, this is the Texas A&M University here. Uh, they were tied with Nickel <laughs> State 14-14 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they did end bad. up m- making it a more respectable score, but I, I, no, I, I, they won the game. I think you should you should clarify with that. It was not a respectable score. Okay, perhaps on a respectable score. I, I think putting a good ten points between you and any opponent is respectable. But yes, this is Nickel team, State. I mean, yeah, this if, is if Nickel it was like State. Like a Big Twelve or right. SEC school, sure, ten yeah. points, great one. Yeah, so kind of a demoralizing loss uh, coming out for UCLA last week. I'm so actually kind of we were talking last week. Disappointed we didn't do the podcast <laughs> yeah. later on. We, in the so evening. For, for, for full so transparency. When we recorded the podcast last Sunday, it was in the midst of UCLA's comeback, and we didn't we didn't get the chance to talk about it. And then right after we finished recording, we turned on the game, saw UCLA come back from you know a thirty point deficit and win the game. Josh Rosen, uh, great effort, probably cemented himself among the people among the quarterbacks being discussed for the Heisman Trophy. But my gosh, I mean, AM, I mean, if you're Kevin Sumlin, your clock's ticking. Yeah, it is taking. I'm, I'm, on a side note, um, that's no excuse to send Kevin Sumlin threatening letters that no, are racist that's in ridiculous. nature. That's ridiculous. Right, I, agree. I thought that um, you know whoever whoever did that, just despicable person, because it doesn't it doesn't move the needle anywhere. It just it just you know if you're trying to get rid of Kevin Sumlin, it lionizes him. So I would just like it's just so so ridiculous why someone would do that and perpetrate their idiocy to the head coach. But that that being said, um, you're a Texas A&M fan. I mean, uh, if you're a if you're a fan, is the is state eight of Texas, and five? Remember uh, August fifth, eight, eight eight five Texas A&M day. I don't know. Is that is that Texas A&M? Is that Texas, high watermark? Is that I don't know. Maybe so. Who knows? But, but to be fair, is it's like February tenth, a high watermark for Baylor fans. I I think we're. I don't know. Is there like a zero month in between January and December? That's a good question. That might be Baylor's month. Now yeah, that I'm thinking about yeah, it, but it's going to be a long year for us. I know. So we're, we're like we're, we're sulking. If here. you want to make fun of Baylor athletics, Baylor football, just you know, send the tweets our way. I mean, we will take it. We will grin and bear it. Just you know, tweet me at a Staten. You could text Jeremy or tweet him at Fiesta Bear 08. That's right. Or of course, my very can, serious yeah. Twitter account. Or you or you could check our uh, social media page at Weekly Brewcast. Just search you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, YouTube. And uh, Hunter Atkins will be uh, joining us again here shortly after he gets back from Vietnam. Uh, have you heard from him since he's been in Vietnam? I mean, do you know what's going on with him? Uh, he's, he sent us a picture of himself wearing uh, what looks it's like, like a, a Vietnamese style hat. I, I, I don't quite know. It's like something you'd wear like in the rice paddy or something. Like it, I have no idea. It looked like he was having a good time. It looks like he was he was frowning. He was like he was like almost like grimacing I think, I think he was picture. all for the Instagram. Yeah, it was kind of a weird all for the Bumble profile. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, for, oh, for sure. Or Hinge or Bumble or big coffee meets bagel whatever it is yeah or grinder who knows uh, hunter you want to come on and, uh, and let us know what, what what dating apps you're on no but um i wish hunter the safest trip back and uh, look forward to his next appearance on the podcast yeah looking forward to hearing some of the stories that he has uh you know as he comes back from vietnam also looking forward to some of the stories that we're gonna have so we're gonna we're going to uh greece here in just under two months with what nine people i think it's gonna be a lot of fun but looking forward to that and also looking forward to uh you know maybe some victories for our football programs this week don't hold your breath 
I, I'm going to try not to. But uh, Jeremy, it's always great to have you in the studio and uh, talk a little bit football and some of the issues that are going on this week. Also great to have Taylor Bashadi debut her new segment this week called Taylor's Top Takeaway is uh, recapping week one of the NFL season. But uh, if you want to continue and follow our work, just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com. But uh, Jeremy, uh, it's been great always, always having you in the studio. And uh, on behalf of my co-host this week, Jeremy Paxson and Hunter Atkins, who's somewhere in the world right now in Vietnam doing God knows what. Uh, my name is Austin Stanton, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Weekly Brews.